Hello Giblets, welcome to another episode of The Gazette, a podcast involving two blokes talking about stuff that nobody wants to hear, so that's why we bring in special guests who have interesting stories to tell, don't we Julian Abbott? Guilty. <laughs> guilty again. Yes. I'm guilty of the first bit about rambling on about stuff that people don't want to hear, so that's why we need to get people on who are more interesting than, well, maybe you, Ross. Yeah, most, most definitely, definitely. And, and super excited to have as our guest today uh, somebody who, look, if you've ever played guitar, and especially if you're Australian, at some stage you probably thought, God, I wish I could play guitar like this bloke. Um, Nathan Cavalieri, welcome to the Giblets Gazette. Oh, happy to be a part of it. Thanks for having me. <laughs> How are you, mate? Where are you at the moment? What's happening? I'm in my studio uh, in Sydney. Uh, down towards the Sutherland Shire, and uh, yeah, it's an exciting, yeah, exciting time getting, uh, yeah, with the album releasing, and and uh, yeah, so I'm just just uh, getting my head around all that. What are we up to? What is this about Nathan Cavalieri Mark Three version, Mark Four version? Where are we what at? What are now? we? Well, we, uh, you know what? It's, so as far as just what I've released under my my own name, we've got this. Yeah, this will be four. Um, I, I did an album yeah. with, yeah, I did two albums under Michael Jackson's label, but the second album uh, didn't end up getting, re- yeah, it wasn't wasn't released. And I mean that was, that had Aaron Neville and a whole heap of amazing artists on there. Oh. And, and uh, but yeah, so that's that's uh, still yeah sitting in a box somewhere. Um, but so that makes it why? Yeah, be, um, why? Couple reasons. It, it's it was. Everybody just kind of got to the end. Um, well, mainly the artist camp, being me and and my manager, and we just we it just wasn't an album that we we felt like was was me. Um, and it also there was a bit of a rocky time uh, with uh, MJJ as a label, and they didn't want me to get caught up in uh, all of that. And so they were really kind enough to 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 uh, yeah. To, to give me a, a nice quick exit strategy um, before I ended up in the hands of, of people that might not have been uh, uh, yeah, wow. aligned creatively. Uh, and, yeah, so, I mean, it, it's uh, – but, you know, it, it, may, it may see the air sometime. Mm. <laughs> it was, so it you was own the more rights of, to it. What's that, sorry? You own the rights to that music. No, that would still be – that, that, that particular album would still be Sony, yeah. Because, I mean, they, they – uh, the very first album I did, which was actually 30 years ago, almost to the day, um, was done under with uh, Little Rock, which is Jimmy Barnes's wife's label. Um, and that's when I did Little Egypt with the, the Saints, Chris Bailey, and, mm. and had a, an album, you know, Diesel and Tommy and Jimmy and uh, were on it. And, and that was through Mushroom Records. So that was 30 years ago. And uh, so I believe that I own now. Uh, but the two Sony albums... Uh, I mean, I would be. It'd be a long time before I ever would keep those. I mean, those American labels spend <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, making uh, making music. So, uh, yeah, we've been talking to Sarah McLeod, Nathan, and it strikes me she was telling us a story about how they made a video for Gravity, which never saw the light of day because the record company didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And then you said you've got this album that's just sitting there. There seems to be a lot of waste in music. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it's music. I suppose is a it's interpretive, it's creative. It's not you know black and white. And 
and you're not always going to be working with people that see things the way that you do and or you the way that they do and and uh depending on who's in control sometimes the artist just has to roll with it and uh and and then you get to the end and then the label or somebody just goes no this is not yeah. this is not on par at all and you know they do that because uh it's actually going to potentially cost them or the artist more uh money if they uh keep ticking on with something that they don't they don't believe in um is that, you know, is that frustrating though that process for you uh yeah well it can be i mean fortunately i haven't been in that position many times although you know like i've, I've done albums with you know, when I was doing the band thing, not using my name where I've put it out and I've put all my heart and soul into it and as much money as I, I could at the time and, and you, you know, you put it out there and it does nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think every artist has been in that position and that's probably the, the hardest part. So this, uh, album you've got, this album you've got coming out on June 16, Miracles. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hopefully one person listens to it and they'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure more, more, more will take it in than that. There won't be yeah. any waste with it. I'm sure you'll be fine. But yeah, we've decided not to had, release it the night yeah. before. It's not coming yeah. out. So if you're on there that you've had for years and years or is it all new? Uh, it's mostly new. There are a couple songs that I had written uh, yeah, way back in like 2012. Uh, for my old band, that Cole and the Kings, uh, that ended up we ended up um, parting ways, but most of it is yeah is new. And um, there's one cover on there of a Billie Eilish song, um, which is an instrumental kind of Tex Mexy surfy psychedelic um, type of thing. Um, and there's a couple co-writes on there, and you know uh, from a sentiment point of view, they they all they don't really have a theme when it comes to, you know, the lyrics, uh, they're kind of sitting in their own worlds, but I suppose what brings them all together is just the execution and the, and even just the, the, uh, the headspace I was in and I've been in, in my life while I created it and while I've, I wrote those songs. Um, yeah. Mm. How, how was that? Just on that, just on that. Sorry, sorry, Julian, just on that. Nathan, on, on the headspace stuff. I mean, what an incredible roller coaster ride you've had. You've had the highs, you, you've had the lows, but you, you've you've come out of it pretty well, it seems. I hope. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, we've I've definitely been some, through some some dark times. I mean, I like early in my life, I had leukemia, and and uh, uh, I mean, it was so early in life that it, it for me, it just I didn't really know any better. Like that was just life, and. And, uh, and, you know, my, my music and my family were my anchor and my beacons throughout and, and the Starlight Foundation with Mark Knopfler and all that, you know, reflecting on that, that was a really big part of the healing process to have something to wake up and, and a reason to fight because I didn't know what I was fighting for um, mm. being so young. And, uh, but then later in life, yeah, dealing with, with adult problems like, you know, mental health challenges that I didn't even know existed were a thing um and life got yeah really really dark really really small and uh i think eventually you know it was a really really tricky thing because when you're going through a physical challenge even though that has definitely takes its toll on you mentally you can still kind of see it as uh, like it 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 stays fairly contained with the area of you know that it's challenging 
um, more or less, like g- just generally speaking. But when you've got a mental health problem, I mean, that that affects everything. It affects your body. It affects mm. the way you perceive the world. It creates more problems if it's not dealt with. It's it's uh, That was a really, really tricky time. And I, I had... I had definitely lost a, uh, um, a lot of hope with – there wasn't much hope around me that I could hold on to except for just the general gut feeling that all I needed to do is just keep putting one foot in front of the other and I'd eventually find the answers. And did, bit, bit by bit I did. You know. Did you try and do it by yourself though? Um, no, no. I've never been one to <laughs> uh, or did you did from, you seek out help? Yeah, I, I uh, yeah, I definitely seek out help for sure. I've, there's there's never been any shame for me to to reach out when I need help. Having said that, I do remember a psychologist saying to me, um, and this was at a time where I was thinking about you know leaping back out into music because I'd I'd taken so much time off with all the anxiety and stress around it, but it was also corrupting other areas. But when I when I got to that space where I was getting beyond those fears and and reclaiming the joys of life again and and opening back up and feeling more free, I thought to myself, I think I should do this with music as well. I don't want to turn my back onto something out of fear. Uh, let's just get to the other side of fear and see if I like it. Because you got to like mm. fear can just corrupt everything and make you feel like you don't like you know that. I, I honestly believe that I didn't like music anymore i didn't like performing anymore um until i started proving fear wrong in other areas of my life and those joys started to come back i thought i wonder if that's the same with music um so i was sitting talking to my psychologist and he said so what are you waiting for in making that first step you know Mm. uh, taking that first step and i said i said i just want to get to a point in my life where i feel like i could be dropped anywhere on the planet and be in any situation and be able to work it out and he shook his head and he went no. And, and, and he said, why would you think that? I said, well, that's, that's to me is strength and confidence. And he said, well, yeah, mm. but he said strength and confidence, strength comes in also knowing when you've got to reach out and draw on the people around you. And that really stuck with me. So, um, and it was just it's, a reminder yeah. you know, that you do. It's really interesting, Nathan. I mean, here, here is a guy who, as a kid, had so many things in front of him to deal with beat cancer, did all that sort of stuff. So like people say, oh, if you beat cancer or beat that sort of challenge, you can beat anything. But still later on in life you found yourself in a situation where you're again questioning yourself. I mean, for those who have never experienced it, it must be hard to get their head around. Well, yeah, it's it's funny you should say that because I, I really, I, I lent into life so hard in like after – I got the all clear. Like I felt like I was invincible and I carried that invincibility around for um, up until my mid twenties when those sort of mental health challenges started to creep in. And I feel like that's also why I was, you know, kicking a lot of butt as well was because I was, I just had a lean in mentality, you know, like Mm. with anything, like it's, there was just, there was zero anxiety, you know, outside of just the normal surface level anxiety, whether it's, you know, dealing with a, you know, with a, a-hole bully or whatever at school or, you know, you know, a little bit nervous before going on stage before a particular gig. But there was all surface level stuff. And, um, but it, yeah, it wasn't until kind of I, I suppose what kicked it off and, 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 and the, you know, you, fi- you think you've got the world figured out in your early 20s particular. And then you go through, just generally speaking, then you go through some stuff and it's like the world just turns upside down and you're like, 
you don't even know like who you are, what what you're doing, what these thoughts, what these feelings are. It's almost like you, you're you're going through a mini rebirth or something, and um, and that that happened just from I I in in sequence lost a lot of people uh in the space of about two years, you know I, I mm. lost a, a couple of good friends and um it was a mortality thing you know where I just you'd think that I would have dealt with with uh mortality when I was actually going through a life threatening you know disease but I didn't that didn't really cross my mind I had a really healthy empowering belief about life after death back then and then in my mid-20s it was just like what Mm. oh my god how's how are people not walking around going what's gonna happen to us you know how why is everyone so calm and cool like what's up Mm. am I going insane and um and then that kind of turned all these little normal life's like potholes into these black holes and yeah and um and yeah so and but you know it's just it's that faith deep down you just need to keep it about if you don't have the answers straight away it doesn't mean you're not it doesn't mean they're not going to come and you, you you get stuck in this little little hole where how you feel in a moment when you're swept up in it, you it's kind of like you feel even subconsciously like you're going to be stuck like that forever, and you're not. Um, you know, everything is temporary, and uh, and you know, bit by bit, I I found the right type of support system around me, and they weren't they weren't the practitioners that were that many of us just have in front of us. You know, they were yeah. they were in unusual situations. Um, you know, I, I first went to the obvious places and I, I got no answers and uh and then I you know I found my my team and between that and my own research we just kept chipping away and my world just kept opening up a lot of people don't understand them but and this is somebody who's performed on stage for mm. all sorts of people at a very young age all around the world mm. but what sort of dark place is a panic attack oh yeah, I didn't even know it was a thing, you know, because my mum uh, had them growing up and we just used to think, ah, oh, she's just she's scared just being, you know, being a mum, you know, worrying and, you know, what, and, and, and she would, you know, in, in reflecting like I, I, I really feel for her because now I'd, I'd, I'd experience it much later in life and she'd be sitting there, you know, in traffic just having a, having a just trying to contain a meltdown, you know, a complete trip out you know, um, and so that we didn't know that she was going through it so she didn't pass it on to us, you know. And, and then also as parents, like, can you imagine, like, they were just normal suburban parents with dad's a bricklayer, mum ran a coffee shop, and then boom, being responsible to having to have your kid fly all around the whole world, you know, get on a plane when you're claustrophobic and, 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 and you know, play, have your kid play on some of the biggest stages in the world. I mean, what a what an incredible thing whilst dealing with panic attacks that was my mum my poor mum was was and and strong you know because she she moved through them so as far as an experience is concerned if you don't know what it is for me the the probably the easiest way to explain it is just imagine you have been given an acid trip or some sort of a hallucinogenic or some sort of poison in your drink and 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 click of a finger all of a sudden you're getting a sweat and everyone experiences it in a different way. And I just honestly feel like I'm, 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 I, I, there is just mass confusion. Uh, I can't make out what's what. 
Um, I feel like I'm having going to have a heart attack. I'm sweating. Uh, I'm, I feel like I'm leaving my body, <laughs> you know, mm. in, in all wow. the most terrible ways. And 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 I, I you could never feel more alienated and alone than in that moment because you feel so separate and so like a like a speck floating in in space, you know, compared to everybody mm. else. And um, so when I experienced that for the first time, I didn't know you know, what it was. So I actually just thought I was going insane. Um, and so you can imagine that belief would have fueled more anxiety rather than going, oh, that's just a bit of anxiety, you know, like it's, it's, there are a lot, mm. there are a lot of other intense sensations that we feel in our life that we don't even question, like going to the dentist, um, you know, when we all get the flu or whatever, it's, 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 you know, our bodies are shaking and we've got fevers and, you know, we can't stop sleeping or whatever most of the time we're not really questioning it because we know that's what you know happens when you get the flu and you get through it and and um you know but uh, i didn't know about it (laughs) so i just Mm. feared that happening again i think that the if i had to sum up the reason why it messed up my world so much was was the was the fear of it happening again rather than the actual you know um what the trigger was the trigger is one thing but it was just the fear of fear and the only way through it really was to to eventually learn the tools have the tools so that i can make peace with that happening again to stop that cycle you know playing out is like i'd have to get up on stage and go bring it on if it happens again i'll deal with it i'll get through it and and it's a scary it's a scary thing to invite something that freaks you out so much, but um, it works. You know that. that, that do you get do you get a signal? Do you get a signal that is that is coming on? Like, do, or is it something that comes totally out of the blue? Yeah. There? Well, so this is the uh, in the early days, it felt like it came out of the blue, but that's only because I wasn't in touch with myself. It's only because I didn't. I I was never mindful of my thoughts. I was never mindful of my, you know, my body, my, my breathing and my posture or my, you know, anything. I was, I was just walking around and, you know, like a lot of people, just imagination, just like identified with, you know, with, with whatever I was thinking, you know, rather than actually seeing it and observing it. So um, in the early days, it, it, that disconnection meant that it did come out of the blue. So let's just say if I was to rewind back to my first panic attack, right, I, that, that happened when I was at a set of lights in my, in my car after a hard day's work as a brickies laborer back when I was, um, uh, on the, on the shovel and, um, and it happened just boom, whoa, out of the blue. So you know what that did because I was not mindful of of what triggered it. Then I feared getting in the car, you know, Mm, so then I, then, then, but I had to get in the car. So eventually kind of moved through it. And then I'd, then I'd have an experience in front of a friend at a cafe. So then I feared that. But when I go back through those memories, and, and this is, I can do this obviously now in the moment, is it was not me sitting in the car that caused it. And it wasn't me sitting in front of my mate at a cafe. It was because I, get swat, I got swept up in this thought in the background about death. You know, at that time it was about death and it was my you know, fear around mortality and all that. And I'd, I'd have like a quick flash of, of a, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like a, a vision and that I didn't even know kind of went by me and then boom, triggered, done. And then, and then I get mm. swept up in it. 
so I can, so now that I'm in touch with my thoughts, I can see what's going on. I can catch that a lot sooner because it doesn't, it starts early. It starts with just a little, a little yeah. generally a little, a little prod and, mm. and you, and you got to nip it straight away. Like I've, and, and so occasionally I have to have a real good talk to myself, but most of the times I can, I can deal with it. Um, mm. if I jump in early, you know, and, and it's, there's just a lot of beliefs, a lot of beliefs over the years that I had, un, uh, had, a, a had consolidated uh what had cemented themselves within me because i never checked mm. them you know did you write some great material during that i mean you hear about all these great artists who who write some magnificent stuff when they're going through all sorts of you know troubled times and all that sort of stuff did you did you write some great stuff I, during those times yeah i mean i i often struggle to write material when i'm when it, I'm, I'm like when it's in the heat of the moment because I, I'm not in that part of the brain that is good for con, you know constructing something. It's I'm 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 just primal, <laughs> fight or flight. Uh, but so it's only when the dust sort of settles that I, I there's I'm able to kind of be a bit more retrospective and um, and then create something from that. So you'll you'll hear that on my previous album, Demons. You know, there's a song called Before You Check Out um, that I wrote for my cousin because he, he, he took his life. And, um, and then I had this major regret and guilt about that I didn't reach out to him because I didn't even know what was, what was going on. And then I started thinking about, mm. you know, what lessons, like what, what would I, because I was, you know, way past that dark period and my life was opening up and, uh, you know, I felt like I was kicking ass. And one of the messages was, you know, just reminding you of yourself of the difference between um, when you're walking around in the world, you can be walking around in the world two ways. You can be here dealing with what's happening in the moment, the physical sensations of whether you're you know, walking on, the, on, on a footpath or driving or whatever, or you can be running around in the world that doesn't even exist. It's created by your imagination. And that's when you know, I'm walking along on, by the bay. I'm not seeing the sun rise. I'm thinking about yesterday. I'm thinking about tomorrow, getting up on stage, playing a version of that. How the fuck am I going to do that? Or remembering a bad past experience. And that's where the suffering is happening. That's, mm. that's the source of, of, of um, all that emotional pain. It's not actually what's happening here in life, you know? And that was, that was a really liberating concept for me. So I wrote a song about it. And I think, I think you mentioned there about, about your cousin, Nathan, and you yeah. weren't aware and we've seen a few high-profile people take their lives this year, yeah. and it, it it makes it even more important that you should ask people if they are okay, mm. and and people should. There's nothing wrong with seeking help, is there? No, there's nothing wrong with seeking help, and I think um, it's just probably a reminder um, to just to just stay connected. You know, sometimes like like for me <laughs> when I when I was when I was pretty sensitive to it all back then. And when a mate came up to me at the wrong time and asked me if I was okay, that would actually freak me out. And I'd go, fuck. Oh, sorry. I don't know if I can swear on the, on, on this podcast, but yeah, no, Dan, um, what's that? Sorry. Why not? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> um, oh, damn. You, you've just asked me if I'm okay. Does that mean I don't look okay? 
oh, I'm trying to contain mm. this like anxiety attack. Oh no. And then it freaks me out. Right. Other times, are you okay? Is just an opportunity for me to go, you know what? I'm not, I'm not. Um, thanks for asking. So it's very tricky, I think, but just in general, it's just making a point of staying connected to your mates and your family in, in whatever mm. way, you know, connection. There's so many reasons for us to be disconnected from each other. So many reasons now. It's way different to the way that it was when I was growing up um, in the 80s or 90s. And, and I'm sure before that there was, there was a lot more time and the default for life um, cultivated uh, a certain level of connection. Um, but now there's just so much stimulation um, that you can honestly be just, you know, rolling mm. with it and, and go, you know, an example was I, I was, you know, I had a, a, a lot of close work friends. I was working every day with uh, a lot of a lot of close friends that I was always there for them. I was outward. I was pretty open about my struggles, and I got pretty much no support. Nobody ever really came up to me and said, "Do you need a hand? Are you okay?" Nothing. Mm. Not because they didn't care. Uh, I mean, a couple of them probably didn't want to jump out of their little happiness bubble. And there's a song on my album about that called Go Quietly. Um, but most of them, I know good-hearted people that were just so busy and so disconnected that they, and, and not present, that they, they wouldn't have been able to see, you know. And I was, I was open. <laughs> I was outward about mm. it. So mm. you've got yeah. to stay connected. I wonder if some of those people just assumed they looked at your life, Nathan, and they thought, well, here's a guy who's, you know, he's, he's overcome leukemia, but in his career, he's connected with all these incredible people, you know, just you know, the roll call of people that you've worked with, the roll call of people that have respected you and all that sort of stuff. I wonder if people just think, oh, how could he have anything wrong in his life? You know, he's, he's had it all. Yeah, possibly. I think, um, you know, if you were working at a distance from me, um, that probably could have played a part. Um, but yeah, no, the, the close proximity people for sure, a hundred percent, hundred percent should have known that I was going through. I mean, I'd have those conversations even at, you know, uh, Friday afternoon would be always sitting around, um, and, and I'd be confessing about, you know, having an anxiety attack in front of five, six clients last week. And, and I, you know, I'm absolutely terrified about going into another meeting next week or whatever, and no help, mm. you know, it's, it's, did you lose it? Did you lose friends over it? Did you? I mean, yeah. did you reassess who some of your friends were? Yeah, hundred percent. I yeah, it's it, it uh, again. That's that's another. It, it, we really are talking about the song "Go Quietly" on this album, um, which is probably one of the the deepest, saddest songs on the album. But it made me realize, uh, yeah, that you one time is precious when it comes to who you spend your time with. Like you have to. I didn't really see my time as a privilege for somebody else. Like your time right now is, it's a privilege that you're giving for me, that you're giving your time to me. And, you know, time is precious. That's your life. We're taking this time to have that conversation. I never valued my time and my presence at all. I just used to give it to whoever. Uh, I would give my love and support to whoever. And I realized without actually assessing what I was getting back from them, uh, and I don't give to get back, but you, you do at some point have to work, at least know what type of friendship you have with this person or these type of connections 
how does it work both uh, both ways? All right, well, if somebody is just, a, I call them a good times friend, um, they're only going to be around during the good times, then I, I have to manage my energy accordingly. I'm still going to be there for them, but am mm. I am going to fully invest as much of my heart into this uh, relationship as what I would somebody who is there for me, who's got my back. Yeah. And that's what I realized. I was surrounded by good times friends and not all times friends. And, mm. uh, and, and it was also amazing how many people, like there was probably one or two people that actually came out and reached out to me that I wasn't close to, that might've seen a post on social media. And, and we developed a really close friendship just for them paying attention and, and going, mm. this guy needs help. I'm going to reach out to him. And, uh, you know, so it's now, uh, it, it really matters who, who you're surrounded by, 100%. Now, Nathan, it's fair to say you peaked early. <laughs> yeah, I know. Bit of life. <laughs> and, well, and hey, you, you've got... Hang on a minute, Julian. Hang on, Julian. That, that's a bit unfair because who knows? Who knows where Nathan might go off the back of this podcast? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> true, true. You did... When, when most, most 10 or 11-year-olds are riding their bike, pre-internet days, riding their bikes around the street and stuff like that, you're appearing on the Arsenio Hall show in America and you're playing for Bill Clinton and other people like that. Yeah. Do you look back on that and go, wow? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I, uh, I, I carried a lot of embarrassment and shame, you know, like I think most kids, whatever they do in life, you know, they'll kind of look back and go, oh, mom, put away those photos or, mm. you know, it's, it's just embarrassing. And I, I went through well, all, that. All you've got to do is go, but what was I like as a 10-year-old? YouTube, here I come. Yeah, 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 unfortunately. No, that's, 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 yeah, that's a curse because people like to remind me of that. <laughs> and uh, everyone has access to all those awkward years, all those you know, years of puberty and, and yeah. Ins- yeah, my God. But uh, it's, um, it probably was not until my l- late 20s that I started to revisit those experiences. Actually, during that dark time, I thought to myself, why would I have confidence in myself if I don't actually take time to bask in my wins like, and my victories? Like I just, I'm onto the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing. And I'm generally paying myself out and I've probably absorbed a whole heap of crap from, you know, somebody who doesn't really matter. That's, that's, that's just thrown a bunch of stuff at me. And, and I need to pay attention a little bit more to my wins to know what I'm capable of. And um, so I, I started blogging about it. Those blogs are not there now though. I've got to um, probably got to put them back out there, but just reflecting on my experiences a little bit more, there's enough time that had went by for me to almost reflect on them almost like it's a, like a, it was a different life, a different person, because it is quite surreal. The life that I live uh, at that time when I was reflecting is very different to the life that I lived as a kid. And um, so really, it really did feel like it was some, someone else. And then now I'm kind of at a point where I am inspired by my past. I'm not ashamed of it. And uh, occasionally... I, I get a little bit jealous of little Nathan. I'm like, oh, mate, how did you get all the way up there? Like, fuck, I'm you all the way down you here. Don't, you don't still own any, uh, own any blue shirts with the sleeves cut off? Or anything uh, like actually, I do. It's so funny. Yeah. The, the, the fashion of the 90s is, it, you know, has been back in back for the last four years. So has it? I would I feel know like about I'm, that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm back in fashion again. I've, I've got my, 
my denim back out again and yeah, it's great. It's awesome. <laughs> I, just, I just heard you say ashamed. Are you really, is there something that you are ashamed of or that you were ashamed of from that time? Oh, it yeah, seems... for sure, because I went to a um, – I went to a Morris Brothers uh, footy boys school and uh, which by the way, not bagging up footy. I've signed my kids up recently to AFL and, and uh, I love like, I didn't grow up playing sport, but I, I really love the contrast like being in my studio and, and, and doing what I do to be out there on the oval, watching the kids play and the community around it. It's, I understand why sport is so big and, um, and why people love it so much. So get it but I, I had real troubles uh, at, at, at high school kind of fitting in and feeling confident and comfortable with with who I was as, as a as a person and I suppose a lot of those 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 bag outs just stuck with me until I was just like I just want to blend in like I also had other interests I was never doing anything that I didn't like I, I, I still had a lot of fire and a lot of aggression and stuff that I was never conforming but I did I did feel a bit embarrassed about being a blues artist mm. back in, in the mid nineties when, when it was all about grunge and punk and, and, uh, and there, that's also a style of music that I love. Um, and yeah, so eventually I, I actually started putting out music, not under my name. You know, I was in a, a band called Nat Cole and the Kings. I was still the front man, but didn't use my name. And it was actually, uh, the drummer that I entered that band in, he used to be in the screaming jets and he was all about waving your unique freak flag. And he said to me, man, you need, everyone has their thing. You do your thing, you know, stuff all the haters, just do it and do it proud. Mm. And he, he was a really encouraging force. Uh, So I sort of found myself again as an artist. I started to be proud about the guitarist I was, am, uh, and, and the vocalist that I was trying to be at the time and um, they were really crucial developmental years. And then it wasn't until maybe just before we broke up, Ash Grumwald watched, uh, we were doing an event together for the Starlight Foundation. And so he watched us play. And afterwards I just said, honest opinion, you know, what do you think of the band? And he's like, man, that's awesome. He said, but why are you not using your name? You know, so Ash Grumwald to me, you know, cool. Like I love Ash. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and, and yeah. Lindsay uh, from Friends of Rom, who kind of yes. almost is a, was a part of a band that had the following that ultimately made me insecure um, back in the 90s, right? But not, not necessarily his, but like sim- was the symbol of, right? Even though I loved Friends of growing up. He would always kind of drop my name, you know, throughout his interviews on Triple J and stuff as, as a bit of fun. And, and so he was the first one that kind of made me go... I think the perception of myself, it's a bit off. It's not right. And then Ash was the one that kind of, uh, you know, drummed it into me. He's like, man, you've, you, you've got a, a warped view of, of your, you, your name, and how people perceive you. I'd really honestly reconsider whether you want to start again a new band not using your name because people work their whole lives to get the credibility that you've got mm. um, under your name. Do you really want to? start again <laughs> and then uh you know it, it just gave me that advice at the right time and and you know obviously that's when my mental health turned to, turned to crap and then I rediscovered myself as an artist and and I was like you know what I'm gonna put these tunes out not under a band name I'm gonna I'm just gonna be me and uh yeah 
And incredible. I mean, people do people achieve one thing in their, in their life and they never stop talking about it. They hang on to it forever and here's <laughs> you running around, running away from stuff that you've achieved. Incredible. Uh, well, it's just because we, we, we are running short of time because I know you've got other things to do, but tell us a little bit right. about the new album, Nathan. You, it, it's, you, you sound very proud of it. Uh, it's coming out uh, very, very soon. You're going to tour it as well? June, Ross. Yep, exactly, Julian. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm touring it. This will be the yeah biggest tour that I've done since I was a kid too. So um, looking forward to leaning into that. And but Miracles as an album, uh, you know, there's 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 lots on it. I mean, there are some some good fun bangers, and then we go to obviously some really deep places as well. And I've I it's it's not a traditional blues album. You'll hear blues throughout it, but it definitely goes beyond. Uh, I just wanted to create something that was true to me. Uh, that was a real test in intuition and just backing myself as well because I could hear all of the traditional old school blues lovers going, man, there's not enough 12-bar blues on the album. Actually, there's no 12-bar blues on the album. Um, what's going on? And I, I, I just can't. I just had to do something that was true. And every part of the process, I had to keep coming back to that. Each time fear or those doubts would sweep me up, I'd just come back to that. And, you know, Miracles as a song, which ended up being the title of the album, that was written... Uh, when I was dealing with a lot of actually funny enough anger throughout COVID because I was just getting so frustrated with the constant bombardment of bad news eventually it was I I found myself fighting to keep a true uh, widened view of what life was that this was an aspect of life you know obviously an intense one but not but still our aspect of life, not just life as a whole. You know, there are other things that are going on in life. And then I, I remember hearing, you know, such and such died of this, blah, blah, blah. Um, all right, what if there was also a headline for every time somebody woke up in the morning and was completely healthy? What if there was a headline every time, you know, something good happened? You know, that would be, and include all the, the challenging stuff as well, that would be a true representation of life. And, and then I started thinking about, what are the most trivialized things and, and unexplainable miracles that happen? And, and the obvious one for me was childbirth. <laughs> you know, I have two kids mm-hmm. and, uh, and watching that process uh, was just absolutely mind-blowing. And that's the front cover. You know, I love that front cover because it's not only uh, represents just that miracle that happens every day around the whole world, but it's also a moment when love transcends fear. You know, there's so much fear in that moment. You know, it, it, mm-hmm. for some, they're dealing with, you know, their life. Like it's a, it's a, it's a risk of your your own life or the baby's life. But moving through is it comes from a place of love, and I love that. Aside from everything we've spoken about today, and it's mm. just been mind blowing. You seem very content. Yeah, and the contentment comes not because I feel. Like I've, I, I'm on top of everything. It's just, it's come, comes from being at peace with sometimes I'm going to freak out and sometimes I'm not that, you know, I'm going to feel angry. I'm going to feel sad. I'm going to feel afraid or whatever. And, and, and I'm okay with that. I respect that that's life and, and I'm going to continue to learn as much as mm. I can. So I've got the, the, the right type of tools to work through those challenging moments and uh, I've just got a, yeah, I suppose a firmer grip on, on my mm. 
my monkey mind. <laughs> and, I always, uh, always like, yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. yeah, yeah. I always like to ask a, a, a guitarist, if there was one riff that you could have written, mm, what mm. would it be? Oh, my God. Oh, it would probably have to be yeah, uh, one of the Akadaka tunes. I think um, it's probably, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe uh, You Shook Me All Night Long. That's a killer riff. That's just yeah. amazing. Um, I mean, I, I, could, I could go on. Um, there's, there's just yeah. so many. I mean, Money for Nothing, that would be a pretty cool uh we were sort of in contact a little bit uh during uh abc's australian story when they did the documentary on me um yeah. uh they were and it, it was a tricky time it was during covid um they had some issues over there with covid that kind of meant that uh he wouldn't be able to to participate in in, in interviews but you know through management i got a sign you know sent a nice Nice little message, um, and yeah. But other than that, no, no, no contact. I've always fantasized about what it'd be like to meet him again after all these years. I mean, I've still got his guitar that he gave me, um, and uh, I just keep coming back to Dire Straits as a, as a, as a band, as an artist for lots of different reasons in my in my life. So, um, yeah. I, I saw him in. Uh, I saw him play because he does a lot of solo stuff. Now I saw him play in Ljubljana. In Slovenia last year, really? Nathan, he still he still got it. I tell oh. you, he still make, he still makes that guitar talk. Oh, yes. for sure. And he's just a, you know, like all the greats when it comes to songwriting and everything. He's just a beautiful writer as well. And and um, yeah, it's it's I, I love seeing those who I look look up to just mm. out there and and doing their thing till you know. All have you met all your guitar heroes? Have you met all your guitar heroes? Nah, nah, nah. I'm I'm a long way off from meeting all my all my guitar heroes. But I mean, these days the the, the people that I'm I'm getting heavily influenced by are not necessarily guitarists. They might be producers or songwriters, yep. or singers, yep. and and uh, or just yeah, just everyday everyday people. You know? mm, yeah. Well, it's been wonderful talking to you, Nathan. I think the message for people who go and see your see you on your upcoming tour is prepare to ride the, your emotions because your oh, yeah. album covers all sorts of emotions and I think the crowd <laughs> are going to uh, Yeah, we, we go all sorts of ways but, uh, you know, I yeah, everyone seems to be leaving the gig um, happy about it and I think the, the main aim for me when, when I play is that I just want to give people an opportunity to feel some feelings, whatever they mm. are, you know, if... if I think music, that's what's fascinating about music and so powerful about it is that when you really take a moment to listen to a tune, um, you know, it's obviously a feeling that you feel that you, how often do you take time to feel some feelings purposefully? Mm. Like music is the catalyst for that. And sometimes you end up feeling some feelings that you didn't even know were there. And um, and that's that's emotional digestion. That's why, you know, at the end of a gig, if it's a good gig, people feel amazing, including... Where can we find your tour dates? Where can we uh, find your tour dates? Yeah, you can find them on my website, so nathancavalieri.com. Okay. They're all, all on are sale. You, yeah. Are you coming to Canberra and can you build me yes. a new brick letterbox? A brick letter? <laughs> well, you know, you, I never really, like, got promoted to brick layer. I was only oh, ever right. the labourer. So you're going to have to get a, yeah, if you want a straight brick letter letterbox and one that's going to last longer than a few days like i can mix the mud 
and right. and get the bricks for you. But you, you, somebody else is gonna. I, I can even spread the mud actually on the on the bricks. I just can't lay the bricks. But um, Nathan, have, but Canberra have you ever Theater, back, yeah. Have you ever thought, you know, Canberra Theatre, catch Nathan Cavalieri there? Have you ever thought back thinking? God, you know, I could have wedged my fingers between some bricks or something doing that, and I could have ruined my career. Yeah. And could have gone. Well, yeah, no, I've, yeah, I, luckily, I mean, my mum operated a bit like that, but I, I couldn't. Like, I, I've, unless it's something that's clearly, obviously, you know, risky, I, I didn't want to live like that. I mean, I, I, I trained martial arts where we're doing all sorts of wrist locks and punches and all that type of stuff for a good 15 years and loved it. And, um, but you know, a lot of people will say you're <laughs> you're crazy. You know, if you if you break your wrist or a finger or whatever, you'd be done. But uh, I don't know. I also get in a car every day. You know, and we all do. So. Mm-hmm. And well, you I talk do. on podcasts, which yeah. can be also quite <laughs> nice. I do. pretty dangerous if stuff. At, if you look at Keith Richards' hands, he can still play the guitar. Yeah, totally. Yeah, They're yeah. the most arthritic things you've ever seen. Yeah, for sure. I reckon sometimes you just got to have some faith. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been, it's been great. To, yep, there we are. There's the, there's, is it your there's alarm, the Julian, or Nathan's? That's my alarm. No, not mine. Yeah. <laughs> Julian's got to feed his dog. He keeps forgetting all the yeah. time. What type of, what type uh, of dog? Uh, it's a Jacoby, which is a half Beagle, half Jack Russell. There's oh, wow. Hey, that's so yeah. funny because I've only been bitten by two dogs in my life. One was a Jack <laughs> Russell and the no. other was a Beagle. No way. Yeah. Yeah. That's Two at a Canberra cancelled. <laughs> Julian, Julian, you've got to turn up at the Canberra Theatre with your dog, mate. You've yeah. Got to... <laughs> yeah, back yeah, no, to I don't want to cancel stress. your show at the Canberra Theatre. <laughs> what, a, what a stupid combination for a dog, Julian. How yeah, that's, that a, that's hilarious. You, you, you're like, uh, yeah, I've heard a lot about uh, um, what is it with, with pets, uh, emotional pets and stuff. So I thought, you know, to ease your nerves before the gig, I'd bring my dog. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then he had this oh panic God. attack. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, Nathan Cavalieri, great uh, talking to you. Give the give the give the album another plug, mate. Yeah, Miracles is out. Uh, it's on June 16, and um, I'll be touring it from yeah July onwards around the whole country. Great stuff. Thank you for being a guest on Giblets Gazette. Uh, of course, you can get this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, all the usual places. Uh, Julian Abbott, thank you for being Ross. part of it again. And Nathan Cavalieri, Thanks, all the guys. best, mate, for the, uh, for the tour and everything. Thank you. Thank you.